today we want to welcome you back as we go through our sermon series with the life of you. I hope that this message has encouraged you and strengthened you in the past days. And today will be a principle that you can grasp that will help take your life to the next level and fully understand what it is Christ is wanting to do in your heart. If you have your Bible, if you'll take it and turn to the book of John chapter 12, I think the Lord has a great word for you there. And as I was preparing for this sermon, I was reminded of a story, and I tried to go back and find it, but, but I just couldn't find it anywhere. And it was a story of a family, a small tribe in Africa, and uh, they were in the middle, the middle of, a, of the drought, drought time of the year, and the whole area was in a famine. Right after harvest time, they would come and they would eat very well. They would, you know, have cakes and all that, and then... As the year progressed, they would begin to ration the, the, the wheat and the meal back and, and pretty much to where the end of the growing season or the end of, uh, end of the non-growing season, they were almost just eating husk, like oatmeal type stuff. And one day this little boy was up playing in the little barn that they had. And uh, he began, the, the father and the mother was at the house and he began to shout. Because it was a very difficult time. They were just eating the husk of this oatmeal, of this grain, making like a porridge out of it. And uh, Man, they said at night, at night that you could, could lay awake and hear the, the cries of children that were hungry in the village. And uh, the next day, one of the boys got up and he was playing in the barn. And he, he, he just began to be ecstatic, kind of like we would on Christmas morning. And he began to cry out, Papa, 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 I found it. And he began to run to the house with a little sack. And he said, I found this grain. Mom can make us some cakes and we can eat good tonight. And that father began to cry. He said, no, son. He said, if mama makes cakes with that, we may eat good tonight, but we'll die of hunger. He said, see, right now you're just hungry, but you're not perishing from it. But see, what they would do is they would take, when they would have the harvest, they would take the grain and they would go and they would tie it in top of the barn, and that was the seed for next year's crop. It was the life of the life of them, the life of that family was hanging up in a little grass sack in top of a barn swinging from a rafter. And it was just grain, just dry grain, kind of like what you're holding in your, your hand there. I gave you that kernel of corn because it represents something of significance. This morning it represents you. It represents your life. Matter of fact, as you, you pick it up, you say, well, preacher, that's pretty, that's pretty small. It's small, but it's so powerful. And as I was thinking about what it truly means to have the life of you, <clears throat> this scripture came to my mind. If you have your Bible, turn to John 12. And then I also want you to turn to 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8. And we've read this scripture just recently at the beginning of this series, but I want to read it again. 
For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction that took place in Asia. We were overwhelmed beyond our own strength, so that we even despaired our life. However, we personally had a death sentence within, within ourselves, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raised us from the dead. He has delivered us from such a terrible death. And he will deliver us. We have placed our hope in him that he will deliver us. And then in the book of John, chapter 12, in verse 23, it says, Jesus said this, the hour has come that the Son of Man would be glorified. Now, now I want you to circle that phrase, glorified. As you remember this, Everybody wanted Jesus to be glorified. Matter of fact, you remember the, at the wedding feast in Canaan when there, when there was a shortage of wine. Mary came and said, you know, do something, do something. We're out of wine. And, and Jesus said, the hour has not come. My hour has not come. Now, we know that he went on ahead and did something. But what he was saying is, I wasn't born to make wine. I wasn't born to build rockers. Or tables, or chairs, or clocks in the carpenter shop. Oh, I may do it. It may be part of my everyday moving about. But that was not the reason the Son of Man was born. Now let's just stop right there. Because that applies to your life and my life. Because a lot of us were born for a specific reason. And the specific reason that we were born was that the Son of God would be glorified through our life. The same way Jesus was born that the Son of that God would be glorified through the Son, we were born that the Son would be glorified through us. And as we begin to connect these dots, they draw us to a very narrow parallel. It says, you weren't created, so many people are doing the very thing they weren't created to do and not doing the thing that they were born to do. Their destiny. The Bible goes on and says, this is the hour. Now, can you imagine the anticipation? I mean, everybody had been waiting. Well, it wasn't for wine. It wasn't for the carpenter shop. What was it for? This was the hour. This was the hour that everybody had been waiting on. The culmination of events that came together at this juncture. This is the hour that the Son of God would be glorified. And then he uses this word, unless. I say to you, I assure you, unless, unless a grain of wheat. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. 
Why are we talking about the death of selfie? Why are we going through all this death of selfie? Paul says, I had the sentence of death within myself, therefore that I might have the life of me. That it might be the very life of me. It didn't matter that they were trying to kill Paul. It didn't matter that they were beating him. It didn't matter that they stoned him and left him in the ditch for dead. Because he wasn't worried about the death of him because he understood the life of him. Paul wrote at the end of the book of Galatians, I think he says, God forbid that I should boast in anything but the cross. That I have been crucified that by the world. Christ was crucified to the world and that I am crucified to the world and that all is reconciled in God through Christ Jesus. What are the dots that he's saying? What is the life of me? Well, as you hold that kernel of corn in your hand today, it is dead. There is no life in it. There's no life within it. Therefore, if you deposited this kernel of corn into the ground, it would bear, it would spring up. If you dug a hole and placed it, it would spring up. Now, now I know that we have to understand that before the kernel is ready, if it's not dealt with properly and it's harvested before it's ready to be harvested, then it'll only sour. Matter of fact, I can remember one of the, one of the coolest jobs. I know y'all get sick of my farming stories, but it's just so applicable for preaching. One of my favorite jobs as a, as, as a young boy was when we'd, when we'd go to the new field that we were going to harvest. If we went to the corn field, the wheat field, the rice field, the bean field, the milo field, whatever field it was, I would have the great job of taking a little brown plastic sack, jumping up in the back of the combine, sticking it underneath the the auger where all the grain was being deposited into the hopper, catch me a sample, climb down, we get on the tailgate of the truck, and they had this instrument that you would pour the grain in, and it would test the moisture. And there was many days that we pulled into that field, and my dad would say something like this, it's just not ready. It's just not ready. And we would have to wait. Because if we had harvested it before it was ready, before it was the death of it, then it would only begin to steam, it would only begin to sour, it would, only, it would just go bad. Now, do you understand that some corn is harvested for consumption? Now, that doesn't go bad because it's, it's harvested at a very, at a very, at the perfect stage. To yield the fruit for, to be digested for humans. Now you can do something with it when it's full of life. It's good when it's full of life. And it's good when it's full of death. But oh, there's that awkward middle ground between life and between death that will only sour. As we look around the United States of America and we see so many soured believers. I believe it's because they're not, they have not fully embraced life because they've not fully embraced death. They want to have life and death both together. Therefore, in the middle, everything's just sour. Amen. So what does that mean for me? What are you trying to tell me, preacher? What I'm trying to say is I want you to have the life of you. The life of you. The life of you. 
Last week we looked at it out of Romans chapter 12 and we looked at there was this separation factor that had to take place with the sacrifice. How that we are a living sacrifice, that we are a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which has a reasonable service. We looked at the separation factor. But today as we look at this, there's several things that we must understand fully about the life of you. The life of you. This kernel of corn represents your life. Now, there's a couple of things that you can do with it. You could actually eat it right now. It's a little chalky. But you could actually consume it. Just as it is. You could take it and you could crush it. You wouldn't get much meal. But if you crush this whole sack you'd have enough to do something with. You could consume it. So when you think about your life, your life is yours. And what you do with it is your own decision. You're not a robot. When you were born, he gave you a will. He gave you a personality. And what you do with your own life, you're the person that determines it. You've heard me say this multiple times, that God's not interested in a shotgun wedding. He's not holding a gun to your head saying, serve me. His voice is saying, follow me. You see, if you have a gun to somebody's head, you have to be behind them, pushing them. But he's in front of you, leading you. Now the problem with that is, he doesn't always like to tell you where you're going. You just got to follow him. But we have a decision that we have to make as we hold that little kernel of corn in our hand. What will I do with it? I could consume it on myself. I mean, we could consume our life on ourselves. We could. It, my life's all about me. I'm happy. This is happy. You know, am I, am I important? I, I could abandon family and friends and, and, and just do whatever it takes. That I consume my life. And that my life is just like I want it to be. And that everything is meeting my expectations. And that I'm on track to accomplish all my goals. Now I'm all about people having goals. Short goals, medium goals, and big goals. But someone once said, a wise person, that'd be my wife. If you want to hear God laugh, just tell him what you're going to do. Now, when we think about this, we could consume our life upon ourselves like that little boy. You remember the little boy he came running from the barn and he said, Papa, Papa, I found the source of life. I found, I found, I found the wheat, Papa. Mama can make us some cakes tonight. And oh, Papa, we can eat so good tonight. That father said, Son, if we consume this, we will eat good tonight. But we will go hungry next year we will die next year there's a principle of conservation there's nothing wrong with conservation conservation I, I, I personally think we've gone a little overboard in our culture but conservation that you conserve something why would they why was that father consuming it he wasn't consuming it because he just it was his favorite kernels that he picked out as he was sifting the wheat. 
He wasn't consuming, uh, conserving it just because he was, was trying out something new. He was conserving it to contribute it to the ground next year. Now Jesus says it was for this reason the Son of Man will be glorified. Unless a grain of wheat dies, a kernel of corn dies, falls into the ground, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much much fruit. Much fruit. Think about it for a moment. I mean, look, look here. Hold your one kernel up. That one kernel, when dealt with properly, equals 1,200 kernels. You say, preacher, you're making that junk up. No, I'm not. This one kernel deposited properly into the earth, and when it's dead comes up and equals one stalk. One stalk. You with me? One stalk produces four ears on a good year. If you go to a cornfield, there they are. There's three to four ears per stalk. There's three to four hundred per ear. Now, I know you don't count that many because normally when you have an ear of corn, you're, you know, you're rolling it around and chewing it up. But do you realize you're wiping out about 300 kernels just like that? Amen. So one kernel produces one stalk that produces three to four ears that each ear produces three to four hundred. You do the math. I mean, don't use the common core math because you may not get there, but I'm just meddling. But anyway. I mean, you're picking up what I'm putting down. The one kernel of corn deposited properly into the earth or thrown away comes forth and brings life. Never in the ministry of Jesus did he ever turn anybody away except this moment. The Greeks came and wanted to see Jesus. And Jesus said, I can't see him. Because he had already turned his back to the world. And his face towards Calvary. And he says, for this reason I was born. I wasn't born to consume my life on myself. I wasn't born to save my life and not me enjoy it nor nobody else. I was born to contribute my life. For this reason the Son of God was born. That the death of me could become the life of me that would become the life of you. There is no life in religion. Religion cannot bring life. Jesus brings life. In our earlier service, our brother from India was sharing how oh, there was over a billion people in India and how there's over hundreds of thousands of gods in India. All those hundreds of thousands of gods can't bring life. That's why they have hundreds of thousands of gods. Because they all equal failure. Because demigods cannot bring about religion. Animals cannot bring about, they can bring about religion, they can't bring about relationship. Now you see my friends today, Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat dies and falls into the ground, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much. Fruit. Paul said, Church of Corinth, I don't want you to be ignorant, unaware of 
how the hardships we went through to get here. How they were trying to kill us. But we had a sentence of death in ourselves. That we might boast in the power of God. Who raised us from the dead. Where is our hope? Our hope was not in the death. Our hope was in the resurrection. That the same God who died for us and rose again at the same power that raised Christ from the dead would be working in our mortal bodies on a daily basis. That it wouldn't all be about the death of you, but it would be about the life of you. I know Jesus died for you. Jesus died for our sins, but he lives for us. I, I must say that again because I, I, I mean, I just feel like that was a good preaching point. Jesus died for our sins. That we couldn't pay. That we might have the life of him. That we might unite with his resurrection. Had he never rose again, he had just been another dead person. But it was the resurrection that makes the difference. It's not all about the death. But unless there's death, there cannot be life. If there was no death, there could be no, no resurrection. And today, my friends, the Christ's life is wanting to reign in our mortal bodies. And we may boast in Him. We may boast in the cross. Will we consume our life? Will we conserve it? I knew this one guy. <clears throat> There's a couple things that he lived for. To save money and softball. And he worked all the time on the softball field. Never married. As my old grandpa would say, probably had more enough money to burn a wet mule. Never knew why you wanted to burn a wet mule, but that's what he would say. The other day I went, I passed his house, and I noticed it was for sale. And boy, it was just run down. He kept it immaculate. And then I went, and I was over by the softball field that he used to keep up immaculate. It has a, a, a stone there in his honor. All the hard work he had done on that softball field. And it was just, looked terrible. Softball field looked terrible. They're trying to, somebody he wouldn't even kin to, trying to sell his house. I thought, all those years he saved. Saved. Save, save, save. For what? So he can leave it to somebody that... Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Spend, spend, spend. See, you can conserve to a fault. Or you can deposit it. And let it begin to bear forth. You enjoy it. See, when they harvest the corn, the kernel can't be found because it was deposited in the ground. But its legacy stands there four years deep. Unless a grain of wheat dies. Falls into the ground. 
it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. What kind of fruit are you bearing today? My friends, that's the life of you. That's the life of you. That father took that grass sack in the springtime. He probably had a many a sleepless nights thinking about knowing up in the top of the barn he had something to fill his baby's stomach. But he probably felt a little better when the springtime came. Now think about how hard that was. Your babies are hungry. And you're going to take what you could feed them and take care of their hungry and you're going to go deposit it in the earth. That's where the scripture comes from. He who sows in tears shall reap in joy. Sows in tears. We don't understand that. Because we don't understand biblical farming. But they would conserve that seed. And that farmer would just, tears would be streaming down his cheek. Pastor Ken, as he would take the very thing that would take care of his babies for that moment and place it into the ground. But he knew that if that dead seed didn't go into the ground, that his family would perish. Therefore, he would take the very substance of life and place it into the ground and have faith that it would come up and take care of them. My brothers and sisters in Christ, quit looking to the right, quit looking to the left, quit looking up, quit looking down, and start looking within where Jesus Christ is speaking into your heart and saying won't you place your life in me I was placed into the ground I being the royal seed was deposited dead in the heart of the earth and on the third day that great getting up morning I came up that my contribution to the world would be that any body, any language, any tongue, any ethnic group could break through all the cultural and racial barriers and come to the salvation knowledge of Jesus Christ. The problem is, will you contribute it into the heart of the earth? I know it's hard. I know it's hard to give it your all. I know it's hard to contribute your life. It may, you may be crying because you're dying to yourself. But you're dying that you can be the life of you. It don't have to be the death of you. It can be the life of you. What will you do with your life? Some of you will just put it in your pocket and go home and your wife will find it in the laundry. Amen. But that is also symbolic of what a lot of us will do with our life. We won't make it count. We won't make it count. God's looking for a man, woman, boy, and girl to rise up and make it count. Unless a grain of wheat dies. And falls into the ground. It remains alone. But if it dies. It bears much fruit. Can you imagine how happy that farmer was? When he went out there. And he began to harvest the grain. To feed his family. 
that same little old tear-stained grass sack, he began to fill it all over again for next year, for next year, for next year. Today, my brothers and sisters in Christ, God's looking for a man and a woman, boy and girl, to rise up. Say, Lord, here's my life. I contribute to you. So we've gone through this sermon today. God is looking for somebody who's willing to invest their life. Dying actually pays huge dividends. It brings forth great life. And today, maybe God has spoken to your heart, and you're wanting to invest your life and make a difference for the glory of God. At Family of Grace, if we can help you in that journey, it would be one of our greatest joys and honors to help you with that task. Let us know. Contact us. How we can be a blessing to you and your family. Until next week, hope you have a blessed week.